series called, um, it's called What on Earth Am I Here For? So here's a poster if you can see it here, but it's a... Uh, kind of fun, what on earth am I here for? And it's really, um, it ties into some, uh, some of you might know a series or a campaign called The Purpose Driven Life, and this uh, leverages that material, it's kind of an updated version, but um, we're going to be, it's a, oh, it's a seven part series is what we're going to do here, what on earth am I here for? And so we're going to start tackling that next weekend, and if you haven't heard, we're going to also, uh, probably, you've probably heard by now, if you've been around uh, recently here at all, we're going to be debuting on our, our Saturday night service starting uh, this next weekend. And for those of you who haven't heard, we've been just praying about it and seeing uh, if we should do something Saturday night. And so we feel like God has led us into doing a uh, kind of a trial run for two months. We're going to do this Saturday night service here for October and November. And then we're going to see how it goes and take a break for Thanksgiving, Christmas, that season there. And then the hope would be to relaunch that again in the new year. So, um, But anyways, that's going to be Saturday night at 6 p.m. right here. So if you've been there, if you haven't heard about it, then uh, that's okay. You're welcome to check it out. If you have heard about it, I mean, there's a number of people. It's been very encouraging. The last month we've taken um, the last uh, four Saturday nights, and we've probably had 30 plus people there every Saturday night just coming together to uh, to worship God together, uh, few, a few, few words from the Bible, and then jump into work and uh, painting. And you've seen some things out there that's starting to look a little different in the cafe, but it's been fun. We're having a great time, and we're excited to see what God might do. So if you're interested, feel free to join us Saturday night, 6 p.m. Um, we have encouraged everyone who's, who's a part of the kind of the labor force for Saturday night that we're saying for these two months, we're really encouraging people to kind of do double duty. There's a lot of people that have stepped up to serve Saturday night and have uh, also continued their, their serving on Sunday morning. It's also been encouraging to see a number of people serving Saturday night that may not yet have had an opportunity to, to jump in and help out in the church. And so that's been awesome to see as well. But if you have any questions on that, let me know. But starting next Saturday night, October 5th, uh, what on earth am I here for? So we're going to start answering that question. So anyways, um, there are a few flyers. If you think you have someone you'd invite to that, we, don't, we didn't mass produce flyers. We're, we're really trying to do some personal invites. But if you have a coworker or a, a peer at your, in your class or something like that you'd like to invite back by the giving box we have a, just a stack of flyers just take one or two as many as you think you can uh, personally give out to somebody there So, and then we're going to be putting posters up if you have a place for a poster we have a stack of posters in the office that uh, we, can, we can stick this up in your favorite coffee shop or Starbucks or uh, wherever so um, feel free to grab one of those as well so that's all of that now um this morning we're wrapping up a series we've started on finances here in the month of September and we're doing part four of the Taming the Money Monster series. And so I thought before we start, I'd give you a quick review of where we've been with that, just in case you've missed it. You know, the teachings are online if you want to look them up. I think we even have some surviving handouts from the previous weeks. Hopefully you have a handout here this morning, and uh, if you need a pen, you can probably dig into the pocket in the seat in front of you there, find a pen, candy, whatever you find is yours there. It's a finder's keepers there, but... Um, Anyways, I hope you can take notes here, and there's a commitment form as well at the, at the end of the time here. So um, just a quick review. Some of you might remember long, long time ago, John Meyer kicked off this series um, a couple weeks ago, and John Meyer just kind of set the table really using uh, one of the verses that Jesus talked about where Jesus said, um, no servant can serve two masters. Uh, he will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You, you can't you can't put both first. You can't live by what would, uh, you know, the principles of one or the other. There's going to be a conflict there. And John just shared a lot of, I think, profound truth related to that. And one of the things that struck me the most was he shared the idea that he shared the parable of the sower, where the seed was sown in many places. And he talked about one place that the seed is sown was uh, a place where someone would experience persecution. And depending on how, uh, how well the gospel took root in a person's life, they, they would either stand up to that person persecution or they would not. But then he said that another one that seemed to go in order of seriousness was more related to our culture, this uh, culture that has a lot more wealth than a lot of places in the world. 
And he said there was a danger there of a person who maybe would become a Christian and yet the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and uh, the desire for other things would strangle your spiritual life. And he said that you know many places he's been in other parts of the world where there is persecution, you see persecution and you see strong faith and you see a fruitfulness. And he says his observation in the United States is, is often not the same case. There, you see a, maybe a strong financial backing or status in, in our country. And yet there can be, um, compared to Christians throughout the world, there can be a weaker faith and there can be uh, a fruitfulness that has been strangled because of how we relate to money. And so that was John set the table with that. Jeff Weeman spoke the, the second week and he talked a lot. You know, I, as I look back and I think about just some wisdom related to to managing your money and how to, um, you know, how to avoid dangers like debt and how to think about savings and how to live within your means and live by the promises of God related to your finances. And one of the things that I took away from Jeff's time was uh, how to get a 50% discount on the next vehicle that you buy. And so if you weren't there for that, look, listen to the teaching, you'll figure out how... You can save uh, how you can save fifty percent on the next vehicle that you purchase. It's kind of fun, fun mathematics. I had a minor in math, and so it's fun to see how those numbers work out like that. A little hand waving, and no, that's actual real data you can crunch there. So. Um, and then last week, Greg Miller shared on things related to money, and it was uh, how money can be a resource for bringing good in, into this world. It's God's resource for good. And he talked about different ways we can use money to bring good into this world. And one of the things that stood out to me was um, something Greg shared that uh, was unbeknownst to me he was going to share it. But he talked about the way um, you, know, you can help out others and be a blessing with your money. And he shared about a verse related to just sharing with those who instruct you in the Word and things like that. And, you know, um, he shared just that he observed my life and my family, and he thought, you know, we've been working with one vehicle. We've kind of been doing the commuting thing, and, the, you know, I had to leave the car there so she can go to the grocery store, and i got to figure out how to get here, and then I'll hitchhike home, and then she'll, you know, so we, we've had this thing going. But um, he just shared he thought it might be a blessing if, if someone had a vehicle that they would be willing to send our way. And... Um, you know, I was sitting there in my chair just squirming, going, Greg, what are you doing? You know, this is a little uncomfortable. I didn't say anything about this. But he didn't know that I had been praying. And, um, you know, Lord, if, you, if there is a little uh, beater of a vehicle out there or something that can get me to and from, whatever it is, you know, do you have something? And my wife had been praying that as well. She, uh, I guess we didn't compare our prayer notes on that, but she had been praying the same thing. I think maybe that she wouldn't have to coordinate with me as much to get to Walmart and things like that. But... Um, um, and at the same time, there was a family in the church that had just listed a vehicle on Craigslist that they were going to um, not renew this year. And they thought, you know, they would just get rid of that. But when they heard there was an opportunity to meet a need, they put the, the dots together here and they told Greg, hey, and they talked to me and said, hey, you know, would you like to have this vehicle? And, and so uh, I, I said, yes, that would be awesome. That sounds great. And so uh, we... Um, you know, it's another minivan, and so it's, uh, you know, it's got a few years under, under a, a few dents in the fender, a few rips in the jeans, something like that, um, there's some song like that, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a great car, the interior is wonderful, my kids checked it out, and they were just like, wow, this is so cool, you know, and I took them a spin around the block in it, and, uh, but, we, so we have another set of wheels, and I just felt like this has been a huge blessing, um, and, you know, I just, I praise God for providing in, in ways like that, you know, but, but that was a takeaway I had from Greg's message last week. It's kind of fun there. I'm, I, I'm joking with my wife a little bit. Now we have a, another minivan. This one I could actually do some things with it that I have wanted to do to our minivan for a while. I'm thinking about adding flames on the side, the flame logos. Uh, my daughter Tisha said she'd be willing to buy some spinners for the wheels. And uh, we can see how it goes here. And I think I might throw bumper stickers all over it because I love bumper stickers. So, um, But who knows? I'm excited about that. But. You know, in some ways, as we come into this last teaching here, 
I feel a little bit like, uh, I think of a baseball analogy. The Rockies' last game is coming up soon. Uh, home game, is it? They already had it, so they have an away game. Is that here? Yeah. Okay, well, something related to baseball here. But um, it's kind of like we've had uh, a couple guys uh, up to bat, and uh, it's like the bases are loaded. John got on base, and he's sitting on third there, and then Jeff, and then Greg, and then here I am, the fourth guy. And, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's one of those situations where we're, we're down by three, and uh, there's... Two strikes out, or two outs already. Two strikes. The whole, you know, that bad scenario in baseball there, and and I'm up to bat, you know. And um, I'm not that great of a baseball player, you know. Um, maybe we could use some Todd Helton or something here. But you know, I feel like there's some things God wants to do to kind of clean up this series here, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, come away with a winning time out of this whole uh, this whole last month here. And so I, I know I'm not able to do that in and of myself. And so we're going to pray and we're going to jump into this fourth message related to um, taming the money monster here. So if you guys would, let's just bow our heads and pray that, that God might redeem our time together here this morning. Well, Lord Jesus, we do just thank you for this morning. We just thank you for an opportunity to come together, to look to you, to worship you. And God, I just pray that um, this morning you would... You would help each one of us to hear from you that no matter where we're at in, in our faith, in our walk, in our life, that we would hear from you this morning. God, I pray that as we read your words, um, as we look at your thoughts, that they would, they would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that for those that haven't heard some of these, these things before, that they would... Um, you know, that they would just understand what you would have to say. For those who've heard these, have been there and done that, that they might be heard with fresh ears of faith or fresh obedience from, from this morning's message. And um, But God, I just pray you'd meet each one of us where we're at and have your word uh, speak to our hearts. And we just ask for this. We ask for this grace, this mercy this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, well we're going to start um, with a verse here that you might recognize. Um, and we're going to start with Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 here. Some of you might know this verse, you might have heard it before, but it says this, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And I don't know about you, what, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you read this verse? What do you think of... Um, do you see the promise side of it where he says, you know, your barns will be filled to overflowing? That part of the verse, I think of uh, Jesus, how he said, when you give, he said, give and it will be given back to you. Uh, pressed down, shaken up, flowing over. Um, or maybe do you see the first part of the verse? It's kind of a command that says, honor the Lord with your wealth. What, what does this verse say to you? Some of you might listen to this and hear this verse as saying... Um, i got to give to the Lord. It says right there, give your money to the Lord and then He's going to bless you. I've heard this before. Been there, done that. Uh, when did the Broncos play? Um, but the thing I want to draw out on this verse, in this verse, nowhere does it say that you need to give anything here. It doesn't say uh, give money, give you know, of your riches or any of that. Or it just says, it says honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord. And, and we're going to talk about what, what does that mean? How does that relate? What do the Scriptures have to say about honoring the Lord with our, our material wealth here? Um, you know, some people can read this, give to God, because God needs your money. God's, you know, we all know Social Security is not going to pan out. Somebody's got to support God in the process, so keep giving, right? Um, no, but this is, this is about, really this morning we're going to look at our relationship with God and money and how it really does come down to being a matter of honor here. So this next verse here was a verse in Daniel where God was speaking to a king that he was about to, uh, about to deal with, about to remove from his kingdom. And he says this to, to the king. He says, uh, honor, uh, he says, You praised the gods of silver and gold, but you did not honor the God who holds in His hand your life and all your ways. You praised the gods of silver and gold, but you did not honor the God who holds in His hand your life and all your ways. And, you know, sometimes I read the Old Testament, I see these things, they had idols of gold and silver and things like that, and I just go, 
that just seems so dumb. Really? You know, idol? What is that idol going to do for you? Um, but then I also go, well, you know, in some ways we live in a culture that we're really not too far away from that same thing. Uh, if, you, if you think of it just a slightly differently. I think of the bumper sticker out there again. Maybe one of the first bumper stickers I'm going to get on this new van here. Um, you've probably seen it before. Um, in God we trust. All others pay cash. Have you seen that one? Um, you know, how many of you put your trust in, in paper money? How many of you think this money, this paper is, just this paper is worth a lot? It's very expensive paper. That's why it's worth something, right? Anyone think that? Probably nobody. I hope not. If not, talk to someone who knows some economics here. But what, what makes the, the paper worth any value at all? It's, it's really what it's backed by. Really, it comes back to things related to, to silver and gold. Some people would say, Man, I don't want to have any of that paper. I don't mind silver and gold. The values of gold have been rising and rising and rising. The value of silver is going up. Um, but I think we put a little more stock in silver and gold than we would like to think. We might go silly to make an idol out of it. I'm not going to put that there. But in some ways, we might have a trust and be looking to silver and gold more than we realize. And so um, we need to make sure, again, it comes back to honor the God who holds your life in His hands, holds your next breath in His hands. Are you honoring that God with, with your material wealth? And so um, this first blank we're going to look at here, uh, an essential part of our relationship with God is honoring Him for who He is. An essential part of our relationship with God is honoring Him for who He is. Here it says in Malachi, God speaking, He says, If I am a father, where is the honor due me? Says the Lord Almighty. Over here it says uh, in Isaiah, These people come near with me with their mouth, uh, and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Where is your heart when it comes to um, your, your wealth, your material wealth? Um, those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. You know... And everyone that you, in all the different sorts of relationships you have, you relate to people in, in a large part based on who they are to you. If you, have a, if you have parents, you relate to your parents in a certain way. If you have a spouse, there's a way that you relate to them based on that relationship. If you're a child, you relate to the people around you in a certain way. If you're an employer or an employee, you relate to the, your employer in a certain way that is kind of fitting and do them. And really, we're going to talk about how, how then should we relate to God, our Creator, and our Provider. Um, See this next blank we have here. Honor or dishonor for God is displayed by what we do with our material wealth. God seems to tie in a way that we can honor Him directly to what we do with our, our material things, our material wealth that He's given us. There's a classic verse here in, um, in Malachi. You, you might have heard this one before, but he's talking to the people back then and he says, Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And he says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, was God's reply to them. And he was calling them, return to me. Um, turn back to me because you've kind of turned your heart from me. And, and you've been robbing me. And, and some of you might know how it played out after Malachi spoke those words. The people of God did not return to him. And God withdrew his blessing and his favor and his protection from them. And there was a time of silence where uh, we did not hear from God for several hundred years there. But they, they did not respond well to his encouragement to, to return to me and stop robbing me. And um, it was not a good thing. But I hope that we, when we hear his, his thoughts on these verses here today, would not respond like they did back then. Um, it goes on. This next blank we're going to look at here is... Um, Let's see here. We need to know the proper way to express honor for God through our material wealth. We need to know the proper way. What is the way we should honor Him as it relates to that? And there's really two, two basic ways you can think about honoring God. And one is, um, one is by, by giving, by honoring Him according to how much is due Him. You know, somebody said, if God said to you, 
here's the deal. Um, I've given you all the things that you have in this life, whether it's money or housing or vehicles or whatever it is. I've given it all to you. And I just want you to honor me with everything that you think would be fitting to honor me with. How much do you think it would be fitting? What would be due for our, us to honor God properly? Anyone? Thoughts? Everything, everything. If we were to honor God properly for being our creator, for, for who He is in our relationship with Him, it would be fitting to give Him everything. That, that's what would be due to, bring, to give Him honor. And even that, I don't even know if that would make a, a dent in the honor that He's worthy of, but that would be the best shot I guess we could give. But that's not what God has called us to do, you know. I mean, he, he hasn't said, hey, I'm God, give me everything, and, and you know I'm God and you're not, and here we go, you know, enjoy life. He, he's, he's not done it quite like that, but, you know, the other way to go about it is to honor Him as He has directed us, as He has, as he has prescribed for us to do. You know, we could decide, well, oh, I honor God, you know, I, I tip 50, 10% in restaurants or 20% in restaurants, so I give God... I give God 11%, you know, or, or we can make up our own ideas here. Or the other alternative is we can do it as He's directed, as He's given us an example, as He's prescribed in the Scriptures to us here. So we're going to take a look at that. Um, starting uh, back the first time this idea of honoring God with our, our money is mentioned, or with our wealth. And throughout the Bible, the tithe has been the material expression of honor to God as provider. The tithe. Some of you might not be familiar with that word. Um, we're going to talk a little more about it. Some of you might recognize that word. I, for the longest time, thought it was like the tithy or something like that. I didn't know what it was for a while. Um, our, our box, if you read our giving box back there, it says tithes and offerings. So just uh, in case you... you uh, just to save you from mispronouncing that. Um, so we're going to look at some places through this, throughout the Scripture where this idea of the tithe and how it ties into honoring God is mentioned. And it starts, the first example is uh, back in Genesis with Abraham here. And some of you might know the story about when he went and um, rescued his nephew Lot and, and he got all the plunder of those who had, had taken his nephew captive and things like that. And then this story played out after that, but it says, um, Then Matilzedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. He blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Of everything that Abraham, Abraham, we know uh, his name was changed, was everything that he had acquired, he gave a tenth to uh, back. And uh, you know, some know that this is a kind of some would say it's a foreshadowing of Christ. Um, and and there's some things in Hebrews you can read more about who who was this figure that showed up. But um, but the point was this is an example of. All that Abraham was given and received materially and the, the, the plunder even of the battle he was in, he gave a tenth back as a way to honor the God who had blessed him. And so, uh, you know, the word tithe literally means a tenth. So it's, if you thought there was some similarities there, there is. Tithe and tenth come, come from the same kind of root, uh, root meaning there. Um, another example here is Jacob. And... Um, you might remember, remember his journey along the way, um, but it says, uh, we'll just read this passage here. Jacob uh, woke from his dream and he thought, how awesome is this place? This is kind of where the, uh, he saw the vision of angels coming down from heaven on, on this uh, kind of the ladder, the stairway uh, to heaven type of thing. Um, but he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I might return safely from, to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And again, Jacob shows an example of honoring God. Out of, he could have said, I'll give you 50%. But God, I have a really big view of you. I'm going to give you 90% of all that you give me. I'm going to give you this. But he said, I, I give you a tenth. And it seems to be a pattern of a way of honoring God with um, our material wealth. Um, let's look at uh, the law here, the Old Testament. 
uh, law talks about this, and, and Moses had this enacted through the law there, but it says a, a tithe of everything from the land, whether um, grain or the soil or fruit of the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. The entire tithe of the herd and the flock, uh, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. He must not pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses. And, you know, some might say, well, you know, that's the Old Testament law. What, uh, what can we apply from the Old Testament law today? How do we figure that out? You know, there's certain things like um, we know that it's no, we're no longer under the law that we can't eat pork products, right? Uh, we can now, by the grace of God, eat bacon and enjoy it and have a clear conscience. Can I get an amen to that? Yes. Amen. Pulled pork sandwiches, things like that. So we know there's certain things that we're not, no longer under the law, but yet we also know there's certain things that we are still um, you know, morally obligated before God to obey. We're not to murder. We're not to commit adultery. There's certain things. So how do we discern which is which? And you know, one thought about tithing related to the law is that the examples of tithing and and its uh, first occurrences occurred before the law was given and instituted. And so it would make sense that after the law um, is, is done away with or you know, our relationship with God changes, that it would potentially continue from that. And so that's something to keep in mind. But not only that, it is, uh, there's mention of it in the, in the New Testament from Jesus and in the epistles as well. And so there would be reason why this would continue, whereas certain things... Um, would, we would not be under the law related to, or you know, but this seemed to precede even the law. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, uh, there's another example here. The Lord said, "You must present a tenth as the Lord's offering. You must present as the Lord's portion the best and holiest part of everything you give." You know, one thing that's interesting to note about the the tithe here is that it said it's the Lord's part. You know, sometimes we can think of, well, the tithe is eh, that I give that to the church or to the temple or to the people, but it's the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord we're talking about honoring. He does go on and say, even in, uh, in the Old Testament here, by the way, that tithe is going to be passed on to care for those uh, tending to the, the temple and, and to the Levites there. And so, but it is the Lord's. We're to honor the Lord with that tenth. Uh, nobody else, but, but it's, it's to honor Him. So we have to keep that in mind. But then um, there's another mention of this. Again, the classic passage here um, in Malachi of the prophets here. And so let's see. Um, we'll just read through this together again. And, um, you know, there's a great, there's warnings, there's promises, there are all sorts of things in this. But it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time your forefathers have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house goes on to say, and this is kind of the promise side of this, it says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord, Lord Almighty, and then the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So again, uh, in the prophets here, he's speaking about this concept of we're to honor God and, and a tithe and a tenth is a way to go about that. And there's a, there's a blessing in that. There's a promise to bless and there's also a, prom a promise to protect from uh, some of these things here. A promise related to fruitfulness. There's a number of promises related to honoring God with, honoring God with the tithe and, and offerings there. And so... Um, now some might say, again, you know, that's the Old Testament. I, um, as I've talked to people about this over the years, I constantly get people say, yeah, that's the Old Testament. Get on with the New Testament life, buddy. Don't you know the New Testament? Well, yeah, there's a few verses in the New Testament that I didn't know there for a while until someone had shared them with me on a Sunday morning teaching. Uh, I had a small group leader that might have shared some of these as well with me on the side. But um, we're going to take a look at some things that are beyond the Old Testament here. Some things even related to Jesus. Some of you might know this passage here. He was talking to some of the Pharisees uh, and giving them their... Uh, 
well, I don't know, it's their daily correction or something like that. They were frequently corrected by Jesus. And uh, this one, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, and yet have neglected more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have, have, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Depending on the translation that you read, the New Living says, yes, you should have tithed, and you should not neglect these other things as well. But out of all the things that Jesus engaged the Pharisees on, there's very few where He said, by the way, keep doing that. And woe to you hypocrites for all these other things here. But this is one place where He says, you know what? You should keep doing that. Don't neglect that and get on with these other things as well. It's one of the few places that I'm aware of where he commended the Pharisees for something. And they were, you know, they were going, okay, we're giving them a tenth of everything, of my crops, of my uh, livestock, of my garden. I've got these little, you know, veggies in the garden. We've got to give them a tenth, one for you, nine for me. You know, um, they were doing all of that, but they were neglecting some other things. But Jesus here, he could have rewritten the way things work. He could have said, you know what? Forget the tithe, you guys. It's no big deal. It doesn't matter to God. But he didn't say that. He said, no, there's, there's something you are doing right. And don't forget these other things that um, are even more important. Justice and mercy and faithfulness, you know. And so, um, don't, don't think that it's not mentioned in the New Testament or that Jesus didn't touch on it. He could have, he could have overturned it right there. He could, have, he could have rewritten, hey, this is actually how you relate to God now. And he did not. He did not do that. Um, and in the epistles here, you know, there's, there's not a ton of mention of how does this all play out in the New Testament, but there are a few references that I think we could learn from here. Um, a couple of them are this. This is a very interesting passage here, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But uh, Paul was writing and he said, um, Now brothers, we want you to know about the grace God has given the, the Macedonian churches. Uh, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even far beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us, in keeping with God's will." There's a lot packed into that, but there was Paul was taking a collection to help them, uh, those uh, you know the, the poverty-stricken um, believers back in Jerusalem there, and he was taking up a collection, and he said, "Hey, I was just struck by how you you gave yourself first to the Lord, and then you helped meet this need, this offering that that was also." A good thing in keeping with God's will. It would have been God's will for you to do that, to give first to the Lord. It seems to be him pointing to a tithe, that they gave a tithe, and then they gave beyond that to help meet this need, which you know we would know that as a, as an offering. Um, and so that that's one place it's mentioned. Now um, let's see here. What's the next verse we have? Um, there's this one as well that um, goes on in. in in 1 Corinthians, he talks about this. He says, um, Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Some people wonder, why didn't Paul just say, Hey, everybody, give your tithe to your local church. You know, and uh, maybe that's a good question, but it seems like, especially early on, most of these Christians were um, coming out of a Jewish culture. And so the idea of saying, hey, the tithe that you've been honoring God with, that you know you're supposed to do to show honor to God, give that now to this New Testament Christian cult that's taken off in cities near you. Um, you know, it would have been extremely controversial. It would have probably been a very divisive issue. And instead he says, hey, this concept that you catch of bringing your money into the temple to honor God and yet to provide for the, the activities of the temple and the people working in the temple, that concept, do that in the same way to those that are preaching the gospel to you, who are instructing you in God's Word in the same way 
do that. And it was a way he could leverage what they knew and, and share it in a way that wasn't as confrontational or uh, dangerous maybe as it would have been to say something else. That would have caused probably more problems than Paul was already dealing with on other issues there. And so that is, that's our blank on this one. In the same way today, the tithe is still the material expression of honor to God as provider in the same way as it was back then. And we, we need to catch this. You're not going to hear this in a lot of places. There's, not a, there's a, uh, a way of thinking out there in many churches and ministries that it's kind of the name it, claim it, and it's just you kind of give whatever you feel like giving. And if you really give and you honor God, He's going to just bless your socks off. You're guaranteed to be rich. And, and you know, for me, my, I'm already rich. That's my name. I'm stuck with it here. And, uh, but there were times where uh, I was running with a group of, of people that were talking about getting financially rich just besides their names and stuff. And um, there's, there's a way of thinking that's a slippery slope. And just like Jesus said, there's a deceitfulness that comes with wealth. And we have to watch out for going down a slippery path that way. But, um, you know, um, it goes on here. God gave... Uh, the tie to those who are responsible to care for his house. Here's a passage back in the Old Testament again where it says, and God is saying, hey, you give me the tithe and here's what I'm going to do with it. I give the Levites all the tithes in Israel. And in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. And there's just, again, in that same way that God had given the money that was His, the tithe that was to honor Him, and He said, I'm giving it to them to carry out the work of serving you. And, and that is... Um, and that's the way we go about it. Um, and so, you know, one thing to just think about in, in my own story on this, my own journey, I just remember... Boy, when I became a Christian, I was a, I was a single bachelor at the time, as um, most bachelors are, I guess, single. But um, um, I had a job with Hewlett Packard. I was making good money, and I, I was making somewhere forty to fifty thousand dollars back, like seventeen years ago, when forty to fifty thousand dollars was maybe different than it is now. I don't know what it translates to now, um, but the paper was worth a lot more back then than it is now. Um, but, uh, but I just remember this idea of a tithe and a tenth, and I was just like, it kind of blew my mind, because I, you know, I don't even know, I, I was probably, it was controversial to me even to tip probably 10% back then as well, but it's much less to give a 10, 10% of my paycheck to God. And I just remember wrestling through all these things, and I had a little journey of my own, and I was hearing some of these teachings, and we talked about some of these verses in small group, and I just slowly went from, okay, um, I'm going to start giving, you know, I'm giving to help out different ministries, Passion International, things like that. But then I started hearing this concept of a tenth, and I'm like wrestling with that, and I decided to give in to God on wrestling with that 10% thing. And But I decided to do it in my own kind of own way of, of tithing. What I did was kind of made a, uh, you know, it was before health savings accounts. This was the richest Christian saving accounts, you know. And I take 10% and put it in savings, and I didn't do anything with that money except for Christian things. You know, I brought Christian music from that money. I went to the Bible Super store in Fort Collins and I used my Christian funds to buy that and it was kind of my own little tithe account that I was honoring God with 10% and I just, you know, I just had a lot of interest in where that went to and where it, what it did and how it blessed my life and stuff but um, that was kind of, you know, then eventually I heard a message like this and I had a friend sit down and kind of talk me through some of this and and I just realized, you know, uh, this this makes sense to me. I could see how to provide, uh, to meet my own spiritual needs and my spiritual growth, which God has set it up that in the church that, that you would give the tithe to Him there so that He can use that then to help me grow. And I go, that makes sense to me. And more than it made sense to me, it was, I saw that it was prescribed in the Scriptures. I go, well, there it is, and, and it makes sense, and, and let's do this thing. And so I began tithing. And, and, you know, for me, it was a big chunk of change for a, a single bachelor, you know, just going, hey, I'm just going to write 10% of this nice salary to God, you know. Um, but I, I began doing it, I wrestled through it, and I think God began doing some things in my life. There were some real crossroads that I had of guys that were, you know, uh, they were saying, well, the Christian life, really, if, if you're really honoring God, you'll be a millionaire in three to five years, and here's the game plan, and here's how to do it. And, and I was kind of getting swept into that. But I looked at these other guys that seemed to really love God. God was using them to reach others and to see people saved. And, and I thought, you know, I have these two things to choose from. They're saying, do whatever you want with your money, and invest it is really what you need to do. Invest it in Christian things, whatever. These guys were saying, you know, there, there's, a, there's an order that God has placed and prescribed on how you go about this. And, 
And so I decided to go down that road, and, and things began to fall in place after that. Um, this next one here, you know, it just talks about through the tithe God provides for our spiritual needs, just as He did back then. It's designed to help provide for our spiritual needs through um, through our house of worship. There were all other offerings that, that um, you know, were back in the Old Testament. There's other ways. We, we have ways to do offerings today. And, you know, one of the ways this, this was really ingrained on me, um, some of you know my story, but back, um, I was 1997, I'd been working with a student group in Fort Collins there, and things started to just, God was just doing some crazy things. People were getting saved and baptized, and things went from 5 to 10 people in the first year to the end of the year, 70 to 80 people, and a number of people saved and baptized. The next year, God did something like that again, and more people got saved and baptized, and the college group was just going out of control, and I was just kind of swept away in the middle of it all. But at one point, my pastors came to me, and they said, Hey, um, would you think about leaving your job to, uh, to go full-time with uh, the campus group, the college group? And you know, I was like, yeah, that seems reasonable. And but the catch was that I would leave my my job behind, and I would my new way of getting a salary would be go sit down and talk person to person and say, hey, here's what's going on at Colorado State. Here's what God's doing. Here's what He's using me. And I'm reaching out to college students, and they don't have enough money for anything, much less to support me. And but would you consider giving a gift each month to make my salary up? And, and that, was a, that was an interesting process. And so I'd had a friend go through it, and I saw, you know, she went through it and it took her about six months. She got her salary together, and, you know, she's still alive and kicking here. Maybe I could do this. And so I started going down that road, and I just remember my last day at Hewlett-Packard. I had a Christian buddy that I, he, he was also from New Mexico State University. Go Aggies. Um, but uh, don't cheer for him during football season. That's a bad idea. But anyways... Uh, this buddy, he sat me down to lunch the last day I was at Hewlett Packard, and he just and I was like, "This is good. He's a Christian. He's got a great job. He's a single bachelor too, um, and he's probably gonna be my first ministry team supporter." This I like the way God. You you know what you're doing this is playing out perfectly, and I sat down did lunch with him, and he just was very concerned, and he just said, "Rich, you." Are you really sure you should do this? I don't think you should leave your job. God has blessed you with a great salary. You don't have many expenses. God could just grow that and just think of how many people you could bless with your money. And I just don't think you should do this. And I'm just like, oh, my biggest ministry supporter is not going to happen after all. Um, But, you know, I, I just went through that process and I trusted God with it. But I remember the subject of tithing and offering came up a number of times. And I was, I had come to a conviction that this is what I understand it to say in the Scriptures. This is what I've been taught, how I've seen it modeled, and this is what I'm going to live by. And so I remember meeting with people time and time again. You know, the, my, my old line was, you know, I, I literally had to meet with hundreds of people and share with them this. And I really had to meet with hundreds of people. But sometimes someone would go, well, what if I just give my tithe to you? And, and then I'd be going, that sounds good. You know, I like this. That's a chunk of change. But you know what I had to say to every person who offered their tithe to me as a campus ministry guy? I said, you know, I, I believe that God wants you to give that tithe uh, at your place of worship. Those that, that are helping you grow, that your, your place of worship. And if you have anything that you want to give beyond that, that's on your heart to give, uh, I would love a, a special offering like that. And, and I had to say that time and time again. And it would have been a lot easier to say, you know, a couple people tithing together, this, this could work. My ministry team is only 10 people, not like 200 people. Um, but it really ingrained that in my heart, and I was tested in that a lot. And I think God really blessed me through that process, and I have not looked back ever since um, going into ministry that way. And, you know, we're just going to turn the corner here into this promises here. You know, perhaps more than any other area, God promises to outwardly respond to us based on whether we honor Him with our money. He promises to outwardly respond. There's a ton of verses. I think you have a, a bunch listed in your hand out there. This is, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't do this. You know, uh, the proverb we started off with, see if your barns will not be filled to overflowing and your vats brim over. This one here, he's talking about once they, they got the temple in order and they were relating to God properly with honor, that they, um, you know, that from that day on, He would bless them. And so there's so many promises related to how God will respond to us when, when we 
honor Him the way He has he has uh, laid out for us and we do that in faith and so um, you know I'm just going to have a, there's a guy in my small group we were talking about this as we were going through this series and you know he mentioned he had a story on tithing and I was talking to him about it and I just thought he might be a great fit just to kind of share his story as it relates to illustrating some of these so if you guys would welcome, welcome Matthew Allen up here real quick I'm not sure which mic this is but if we can get this guy on here Hey, good morning. So I I was talking with Rich a little bit about this, and um, this isn't a story I've actually shared before, so bear with me. Uh, But in in my story with with when I started tithing, it it came from a really dark place and a dark time in my life. And um, to give you a background about my life, um, I grew up poor. I grew up. with an alcoholic mother and a drug addicted stepfather <clears throat> and as a result of that a lot of time we we didn't have any money um, a lot of times we didn't have enough food and uh, the worst times were when we didn't have any heat and uh, so I tell you that because that started my background with money because I thought when I was young if you can just get money then you never have to be hungry and you never have to be cold and you never have to be um, afraid that you can't be with your friends because they've got money and you don't have any money and you know you don't have any clothes and they do um, and when you're young you're very acutely aware of the things that other people have that you don't um, so I grew up with that mentality and um, I really grew up with the mentality that um, it was okay to steal and if that was food or if that was money whatever it was to have money and uh, that stayed with me for a long time that money was something to be taken from the world um, because otherwise you weren't going to have any uh, that stayed with me through uh, once I got a business degree and I, I moved into business and I did some things once I moved into business that now are, are very embarrassing and um, shameful but I um, you know I would uh, burn my friends I would burn my coworkers and colleagues if it meant that the car was going to go a little faster, I'd throw you out and, and take that client or take that project out from under you. And uh, I lost a lot of friends that way. And I also made a lot of money that way. So there was no incentive not to continue doing business that way, which is very common. That's the standard in American business is you take what you can and leave nothing behind. Uh, and I made a lot of money and I saw a lot of checks with a lot of zeros and I started a company and that company was doing very well and then I essentially sold that company to a larger company and in exchange I got a fancy title and a fancy salary and a fancy office and uh, after about a year of working with that company after that transition um, the company started going downhill and they broke apart the product that I had sold to them and sold that off and sooner uh, too soon for my liking they laid me off and then I was in a spot again where um, I felt like I was a kid again like I didn't know where my income was going to come from and uh, I went on an unemployment and it was a very embarrassing shaming thing for me because the people I was running around with in circles were driving new BMWs and new Audis and here I am just trying to pretend like I can pay for lunch by maxing out my credit card and spending my unemployment which wasn't even half enough enough as much money as I needed to pay my mortgage each month let alone keep food Um, so that was a a rough period in my life and uh, about the time that I came to Actually, it was exactly the time that I came to my last unemployment check. Uh, This is back in the days when unemployment had a stop date, not like now where it (laughs) continues on for years. And uh, it was the the month and the week that I received my last unemployment check for $300. I heard a message just like this at my home church, and... um, I, I didn't really like to hear it because I was angry with God for having taken away all my success and all my status and all my money and all my the company I'd built and the friends that I had made uh, and I was very empty because it doesn't matter how many zeros are on the check and it's not a cliche if it's three or four or five or however many it's 
when you have that mentality that I had, it's never enough money. There's just no such thing as enough. And uh, when I heard that message, I went home and I went for a walk. And it's one of the very few times in my life where I distinctly felt a switch click in my head and I got it. And God gave me a clarity and an understanding that surpassed my ability. And for the first time, I saw crystal clear who I was, where I was going, what was motivating me, the things that I was stealing from God and never giving back. And I'd been going to this church for a long time, and I'd never contributed a thing to this church. I was a consumer Christian, which is which is something that I didn't want to be, but I was going there to be entertained, to hear a few songs and judge how well the band did and how much the, the message impacted me and if it was boring or not. It didn't have anything to do with being a part of this church. It didn't have anything to do with my relationship with these people and it certainly didn't have anything to do with my money. And all that happened on that walk and I had already gotten my unemployment check for $300 and I didn't have much of it left. And I decided then, after hearing the verse of Malachi, that I was going to start tithing. And the difficult part for me then was to tithe on that $300 was only $30, which wasn't a lot of money, but it was also the only $30 that I had. It was all the money that I had left. And uh, so I did. I tithed that $30 uh, the next Sunday at church. And I, I did it first to test God, but more to test me and to see how much he would change me and see how much the floodgates would open up. And I had heard stories like the one I'm telling you before in different capacities and methods, and every time it just seemed like, you know, that, that didn't happen that way. There's no way that God lines up those blessings just like that. <clears throat> I'd been looking for work for six months since I went on unemployment and had to humble myself that I didn't have any capital to start a company. I had burned all my relationships. I'm going to have to buckle down and find a job and not make much money. Um, and after giving that $30, uh, the next week, a company had called me that I had applied for a long time before. They brought me in for an interview the next day. They hired me the day after that, and I started three days later on Monday. And uh, from that moment, I, I never looked back on whether or not I should tithe or not tithe. I never second-guessed that. And I am grateful that I never backslid and said, well, I'm doing fine now. I can stop tithing. I tithed faithfully, and I looked at the tithe of my salary as the most important part of my salary. It was the most important thing that I was going to do with my money. And the, th the thing is that God did throw open the floodgates, and God works with people, I think, he works with me, with numbers, and the number he works with me is always the number three. And uh, within three years of starting tithing faithfully, um, he had tripled my income from that first job that he gave me. And by that time, the amount that I was able to tithe on each paycheck was equal to the amount of the check that I had first tithed on. And when that happened, uh, my wife and I looked at each other and we got goosebumps. When we, and it was when we moved to Colorado, when I got the job we moved here for, that I realized that this was that overlap moment where um, there's no doubt that you can say, uh, would you agree that tripling your income in three years is a floodgate? I would. I, I really think it is. And it goes beyond that because when I got the first position in government, when I came back to the federal government, for whom I work now, um, I was in a temporary position, and they needed somebody quick, and I got that job. But when they went to fill that position permanently, the hiring process in the government's complicated and difficult, but essentially there's a selection committee, and they interview you several times, and it's very drawn out and boring. And, uh, and my boss came to me after that and said, um, the selection committee didn't pick you for the job. And I knew that my contract ended in a month, and I was nervous. And he said, but uh, I'm the boss, and I set aside the selection committee's recommendation, and I'm hiring you. Uh, which, in the federal government, never happens. Um, and not only did he hire me, but he could have just brought me in right where I was at that salary, but he opted to give me the maximum salary that was allowable for that position, which 
which was a 30% pay raise. Um, <clears throat> and afterwards, I went and talked to his secretary, who, uh, as you all know, secretaries know everything that happens in the office. And I said, how many of us were with the selection committee for the job? And she said, there were five of you. And I said, and, and I only got second out of five. And she said, no, you got fifth out of five. <laughs> so, which didn't hurt my ego, but <laughs> at all. But the thing is that I shouldn't have gotten that job. I, I didn't have any right to have that position. I certainly didn't earn it. Um, but God gave me that position anyway. And then the next thing that happened was I talked to a man who's a CEO of a very large company who's a I grew up with his son. Um, you'd all recognize, I'm sure you have their products in your refrigerators right now. And I said to him, I want to get where you are. I want to be leading people and leading companies. And what did you do to get there? And he said, nothing. <laughs> he, he said he didn't do anything. He just had been faithful to God and had gone from running a very small dairy co-op to managing a huge company and leading that company. And then he said, the first question he asked me wasn't, what are you doing at work? What do you do for a living? Uh, he asked me, are you tithing at church? That was his first question to me. And I told him that I was. And then he asked me, are you tithing on your net income or your gross income? And I'd never thought of that before because I'd been tithing on the income that came to me. And so I... Um, took what he said to heart in that meeting, because that's why I met with him, uh, and I started tithing on my gross income, and it was within a month after that I was offered this position here in Colorado uh, to move from Washington State, and it was again another 30% pay increase, and more important than the pay increases and the salary increases was we were excited to increase our tithe, and it was that was the thing that was really driving that. I had completely changed my heart about money and what it was and the value of money in my pocket because I never thought of it again, and I still don't, as my money. And the next thing that happens when you're faithful with your money is God will start putting people in your path. And if you're not ready for that, then I can tell you that tithing is a very dangerous thing. It's a very powerful thing. And the quickest example I can give of that was somewhere in between those jobs. I can't remember where, when exactly it was. I went to lunch with a friend of mine, and I had just gotten some overtime at work or something. I can't remember how it came about, but um, sort of what um, I think Greg mentioned it last week. You know, I got some extra money in my pocket, and I was thinking, I'm going to go buy a new TV. I got 600 extra dollars, and it's on top of the budget. And so Greg gave us that list of priorities with the money, and the last thing was buy whatever you want. And so, of course, I flipped from all of those and went to the very last point and thought, $600, I'm going to buy whatever I want. I want a TV. <laughs> and then uh, I went to lunch with my friend, and uh, I played music with him in a, in a worship band, and uh, we were just catching up and going through all the small talk, and I said, well, school starts pretty soon, doesn't it? And he said, you know, I'm taking this term off. Uh, I'm going to go back to work. And Heath was... Um, in fact, he reminds me a lot of Rich. His heart's just for God. Um, he, he, I'm pretty sure he almost had the Bible memorized at that age. And uh, I, I said, well, that's, you know, I, I was actually a little frustrated with him. I said, why would you go back to your construction job and not finish seminary school and, and go preach? That's your calling. He says, well, I'm behind on my, on my tuition payments. And uh, they said, I, I can't go back until I catch up. And I said, well, how much are you, are you, how much are you behind? And I'm sure you can guess how far he was behind. Uh, he was behind $600. So, um, so we went by the bank, and I said, you're going to take this. And, <laughs> and you're going to take this, and you're going to pay your tuition, because uh, I certainly don't want to live in a world where $600 was the distance between you and, and, a, and a pulpit. So... He took that money, but that's just one example. And there's a verse in the New Testament that says, don't let one hand know what the other's doing when you're giving money away. And I really had to think back on that. 
And um, there's so many examples where God's going to challenge you in that arena. Once once you're faithful to Him with your money, it's it'll it's uh, constant. So um, I guess that's kind of the summary of my story and why I tithe and when I started tithing. And I don't know. I hope I hope it helps you to understand better. Right, thanks. Thanks, brother. All right, so we're going to wrap up just with a few practicals here and uh, get you on your way. Um, here's a couple of things just to think about. So we've talked in some ways about that it is proper to honor God with a tithe. We've talked about some promises related to how God responds when you honor Him. And here's just some practicals to think about here to, to wrap things up, uh, send us on our way. But uh, one of them is this. There's a, there's a phrase I learned uh, a while back, back when I, my first church at some of you community church, but... One of the things they shared related to tithing was the tithe of the saints is the budget of the church. You know, what people give through their tithe, that is what we operate on. That is how we pay any, anyone's salary, my salary. That's how we keep the lights on. That's how we were able to hire Greg here uh, recently as well. But the tithe of the saints is it's the budget of this church. And so I, I hope that you know that, that you realize that. Um, another thing to think about is that we do not pass the plate here. Some of you probably know, you've never seen the plate, and you're like... You know, I like this church. They don't pass the plate, and I sneak out before I figure out what the plate is. I don't know. Um, but we have a box here. You know, we just have a box in the back of the room, and we we kind of figure it this way. If you've come to a place where you see it's important in your relationship with God to honor Him with the tithe, you'll figure out how to do that. You know, the, the rest is details. Our details are there's a box in the back of the room that says tithes and offerings on it, and so if if you come to that conviction yourself. Um, you can find the box. And, uh, you know, if, if you have other things, practically speaking, we do, a number of people do online transfers if you want to do that or if you want to send your check-in from a check company or uh, we have a way you can get online and just through the website and, and give that way as well. There's probably a little fee they charge for that. But anyways, if that's something you want to do, there's, there's a way to do it. But we're not going to put that in front of you and kind of watch it go by and see what everyone puts in or whatever. I, I don't even know how that works anymore. I, I grew up in a church like that. It's kind of interesting to think about. I, I was a, as a kid, I'm like, you know, what can I pull out of that thing there? A, um, but anyways, we don't pass the plate, and that's, and that's why. Um, you know, again, the idea of offering. Offering, we sometimes we do a campaign. We did a fundraising campaign even just to, to buy some of the materials and, and things that we needed to re- renovate this uh, warehouse. And those are anything that's beyond a tithe would be considered an offering. So uh, that's our vocabulary. That's what we understand from the scriptures. You know, I want to remind people again, just when you do give, when you, when you give a tithe, that you do it in faith. You know, one of the challenges I've found is that I heard these type of verses in this teaching probably 17 years ago, and I think I've been faithful ever since, um, but sometimes I, I've not been faith-filled. You know, and every time you, you bring your tithe in, there's promises of God responding to you doing that. And in some ways we have to be careful of like what Isaiah said, they honor me with their tithe, but their heart is far from me. If you found yourself being in the routine of giving, that's great. You're in a ballpark that many people are not in the United States, and many, many Christians are not in that in the United States here. Um, But you want to beware of it being so routine that you can do that without thinking about it. You just kind of write it out, put it in the box, and want to make sure it's in faith. You also have to make sure, you know, sometimes we think tithing is a tenth. You know, I give a tenth when I get around to it, if I get around to it, uh, if I I don't forget, uh, whatever it is. But it's... It's, uh, it's an attitude of your heart. You can say you're tithing, but if you're not giving God your, your best and your, your first, you might be missing what, what the whole deal is about here. And so, um, you know, I just want to encourage you. I know myself, sometimes I'll stick a check in my pocket. It's about the only thing I write a check for anymore. You guys heard of checks? You guys know what those are, those paper things? Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes I'll stick it in my wallet, I'll write a check, and then I'll be dragging it around, but, oh, I forgot to stick it in the box. Oh, I forgot to stick it in. There's been a few times where I go, that's actually a long time to forget. And for someone who's looking to honor God with his, his first and his best, it's, it's kind of a hard case to make that it's a really honoring way to go about it with God. So I encourage you to make sure you're, you're being sharp and faithful, um, giving that first and, and giving it in faith, you know, trusting God to respond. You know, that, again, tithing is more than just a percentage thing. It's really about the condition of your heart. It's really about your relationship of God, with God. And it, it really is about, uh, it's a matter of honor. So I encourage you to think about that, to pray about that. We're going to close with just looking at the back of your form here. Um, there's a, 
a couple ways, you know, just really to summarize this, this series and this message here. But on, on the back of your handout, you'll see this. You can write your name on it and we'll kind of let you know some of the ways to go about it. But, um, you know, at the top, we'll just read this together. Uh, the God of the Bible is God of my life, my source, security, and provider for everything I have needed or ever will need. In my desire to express the attitude of my heart in an outward and material way, and here's some options for you to consider. Really, um, you only you only need to pick one. I, I think you, maybe you could pick a couple, but uh, probably just need to do one here. But the first one is this: I commit myself today for the first time to honor God as my Lord, my security, and my provider by giving Him a tithe of all that He gives me. That may be a commitment that you would think about making today. The second one is this: I have been honoring God with my tithe, and I want to reaffirm that my giving. Uh, is my faith expression that God is my God, my strong one, and the one in whom I trust to give me all that I need in this world. There's a recommitting to, to giving in faith, uh, if you've maybe been doing that in routine. Um, and the last one here, uh, this one is, I commit myself to seek God's will for how He wants me to honor Him and put Him first in everything He gives me. Maybe you're, maybe you're just visiting this morning and you just happen to show up in part four on a finance series here. And Well, I'm glad you're here. And, but it, you might, it, it's not an accident that you would be. But you might begin praying about, God, how should I honor you? And you might be thinking through these verses as well. But I hope that every one of you would, would check uh, one of these commitments today, this morning, if you would. And, and when you do, you know, write your name on it, write the date on it. And like John mentioned earlier, uh, you can stick this in your Bible, stick this in your desk. You might pull it out someday and, and be encouraged by that. Or it might be a milestone to look back on or something to remind you to keep it fresh in faith and keep it first and things like that. So um, anyways, we're going to pray and we'll be on our way here. So let's just bow our heads and, and closer. Well, Heavenly Father, we do thank You again for this morning. We thank You for allowing us just to, to look at Your Word and Your thoughts. God, there's probably a uh, hundred different opinions here uh, that we could come up with, but, but You have weighed in on this subject. And God, I pray that You'd help each one of us to understand that, to know that, and to respond to You accordingly. God, I pray You'd give us faith to, to give... 10%, Lord. We thank You that You chose 10% and not 90%. And, um, but Lord, we just pray that You'd help each one of us to honor You in all that You give us, Lord God. And um, I just pray that You would provide for all our needs, help us to get the Gospel out in this neighborhood and as a church together here. And uh, we just thank You for this series. And help us to walk out of here with faith that You will respond to, to our choices of faith here. Um, and we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, thanks for coming this morning, you guys, and we'll uh, see you next Saturday night or next Sunday morning uh, for What on Earth Am I Here For?